0: Good to be in church this morning, I'm sure glad that I'm here today and um, glad you're here this morning and uh, we uh, need to hear from the Lord and uh, the Lord uh, brought you here this morning and there's nothing that you carry with you this morning that is too hard for the Lord. Take your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5 this morning, 1 Peter chapter 5 and if you're able to stand with me as we read this morning a portion of God's word, 1 Peter chapter 5 we're going to do a two-part message, and we're going to, uh, here this morning, cover the, uh, the first part. And I wanted to kind of uh, put these messages together here on the same day. I felt this was uh, very, very important. It's such an important message uh, here today, and uh, amazing how God puts everything together. The music, the singing, the specials, everything just fits together. Uh, only God could do this. Uh, verse number 5, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. I want you to see that statement. Be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you, To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. What we're going to be uh, dealing with is is God's grace, and there is grace for every need. We're going to show you here this morning how that grace can be accessed or how that grace can be uh, manifest in and through your life here today. I believe the message is very, very crucial. I think it's a much-needed message in our nation today, I want you to bow with me and uh, let's take some time just to surrender, to let the Lord have his way here this morning in our hearts and in this service. Father, I thank you this morning for your word, and I thank you, Lord, for the message we've heard here today in song. And I thank you this morning that nothing is too hard for you. I thank you today that there's no problem that you are not able to solve. Lord, I thank you this morning that you know every need and every heart. We realize here today there is somebody, there's an individual here that right now you are speaking to their heart about salvation. Lord, they're lost. And if you came right now, uh, they would be without you. Lord, if they died, here today, they would be lost for all of eternity. Lord, there's somebody here today that they know you, but there's a big load. It's a big problem. It's bigger than they are. And Lord, I pray here this morning that you would teach us how to cast that care upon you. Lord, would you have your way in this service? Would you be exalted and glorified, minister at the very point of need? Help us to yield to you today in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated this morning. We've been preaching through the book of 1 Peter on Sunday nights, and um, I've gone through, we've arrived at this particular portion of Scripture that I read to you this morning. One of the things that becomes very evident, and I think it's so needful to understand, is that Peter was writing to Christians who were facing some severe suffering. Uh, They were facing many trials and difficulties in their life. They were scattered for their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. In the beginning, they faced religious persecution within the city of Jerusalem. You can read about that in Acts chapter 8, and we read about Stephen uh, that was stoned and Paul that was present consenting unto his death. He was sold at that time. And we read because of that persecution that Christians were scattered all over that known part of the world and then later as they were scattered they began to face persecution from their from the government from the roman empire uh, many christians lost their lands uh, their homes their jobs their freedoms and their families in many cases christians were martyred for their faith in the lord jesus christ and we can read much about that in history and we really in the United States don't understand or comprehend that, though I think the time may come where we begin to understand what they would face. I want you to just go back with me and review with me a little bit. Go back to First Peter chapter one, and you can see the, the persecution, the difficulties these Christians were dealing with. In First Peter chapter one, verse number six, it reads, "Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, If need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold, that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found into praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. And I understand this morning there are some of you here today that are in great heaviness and you're facing manifold temptations, you're facing difficulties, you're facing some trials this morning. If you go to chapter number 4, uh, for just a moment, chapter 4, and we're skipping over some of, of the other verses. In chapter 4, verse number 12, uh, Peter writes, and he says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But he says, Rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. And so here, Peter is expressing to these Christians, it's not a strange thing that you're facing. You're going through difficulties. He said the Old Testament saints, they had to endure trials, and many of them faced persecution, great difficulty. The Lord Jesus Christ himself went to the cross. He was rejected of men. He came unto his own. He loved his own, but his own rejected him. And uh, so we read of, of that persecution. And he said, not strange that you're dealing with that. Uh, Paul the Apostle spoke to Timothy, his preacher boy. And he said, "Uh, Timothy, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's not a strange thing. Uh, Interestingly, not long after Peter wrote the book of 1 Peter and 2 Peter, uh, Peter was martyred. He was crucified upside down for his faith, for his preaching in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as Peter wrote this book, Nero was then the emperor of Rome. You know history. Nero hated Christians. He subjected them to uh, unimaginable suffering. Uh, They were often arrested and tortured for their faith. Uh, Limbs removed from their body. Many were executed. Uh, Some were crucified. Some were thrown to wild animals. Uh, Some were burned alive at the stakes. Uh, Some were cast or beheaded. Some were drowned in rivers and lakes, uh, all because they would not bow to Caesar. They would not proclaim Caesar is Lord. I I read about uh, the the young lady, this was not many years ago, in uh, Colorado, that uh, a couple of men came into the school, and uh, when she spoke that she was a Christian, she was shot and killed for her faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're talking about. Uh, There were difficulties these Christians faced. And Peter was preparing Christians for that kind of suffering, for difficult days ahead. We don't often think about that type of situation in the United States, but I'm thoroughly convinced the closer we come to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, the greater will be the persecution. I think we're going to come to days that if you're going to stand for Jesus Christ, it's going to cost you something. You're not going to be able to float downstream uh, like everybody else. So you're going to have to take some stands and some stands that are going to cost you. And you're going to have to stand against false religion. You're going to have to stand against uh, a false gospel. You're going to have to stand for the truth of Jesus Christ. And it's going to cost you something to take that stand for Jesus. Now it's in the midst of Peter dealing with suffering Christians that he makes mention of God's grace. and I want you to read again verse 5, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 5 and it reads, Likewise ye younger, submit yourselves to the elder, yea, all of you be subject one to another, be clothed with humility for God resisteth the proud, but notice the statements: He giveth grace to the humble. And in verse number 10, but the God Of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. In other words, Peter is saying to these Christians whatever God allows you to go through, God will offer to you the grace for your situation. He will never allow you to face a situation or a circumstance, but what His grace will not be sufficient for what you endure. Now that word grace, it's an important word. Uh, The definition of grace. It's the free, unmerited, undeserved love and favor of God. Webster's describes grace as the spring and the source of all the benefits men receive from Him. Uh, Grace is God doing through you what you cannot do in yourself. Uh, Grace is God working in you to give you His desires and then giving you the power to perform those desires. Uh, I believe in Philippians chapter 2. That He works in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Now God offers His grace for every need. And I want to build upon this a little bit tonight, a little bit further. Uh, But there's grace for salvation. You cannot be saved apart from God's grace. Uh, As we look in this passage, there's grace for suffering. Uh, there's grace for sin. There's grace for spiritual warfare. Uh, there's grace for strength that you're going to need in serving the Lord in difficult times. There is grace even when it comes time to die, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. There will be grace. There will be dying grace at that point. A grace, it's absolutely essential if we're to succeed as a Christian. Uh, Paul the Apostle, in his letters, Uh, often opened and closed his letters with the blessings of grace. Uh, Paul told Timothy, "Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And he said, Timothy, if you are to succeed in your Christian life and the calling of God upon your life, you're going to need God's grace. And the last verse of the Bible, Revelation 22, verse number 21, uh, closes with the blessing of grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now I'm going to, to break down some very simple thoughts and build upon this, and we'll, we'll finish this up tonight, but uh, some very important things here this morning that we're going to cover. Number one, there is the God of grace. The Bible teaches that God is the source of grace. It's God that supplies grace. Uh, Uh, That grace was purchased by the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. Uh, That grace is free to us, but it costs the Son of God dearly. Uh, That grace is given freely to those that come humbly into His presence. We'll deal with that this morning. I want you to notice again the emphasis here in verse number 5, 1 Peter chapter 5. It says, For God resisteth the proud, but He giveth grace to the humble. It's God's grace. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse number 10 he's called the god of all grace and thank you Luke I appreciate that he's called the god of all grace and uh, when Paul wrote to Timothy uh, Paul said to Timothy be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and in Revelation 22 that we quoted a moment ago the grace of our lord Jesus Christ be with you all See, the Lord told Paul, the apostle, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 9, My grace is sufficient for thee. So God is the source of grace. It comes from Him. It was purchased by Him. And it is His gift to those that come humbly. Because God is the source of grace. Let me give you another thought here. Thank you, Luke. That's just what it needed. God is the sufficiency of grace. And again, what Paul said, or uh, the Lord said to Paul, he said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. What he says is, Paul, whatever your need is, there's grace that is sufficient for that need. Whatever I allow, my grace is sufficient for thee. We, we Yesterday, we were talking with your group of teachers. You're going to be going to school. I just come this week from the Philippines, just last week. And next week... Uh, Immersed in Espanola public schools, you're going to need grace. But he says, my grace is sufficient for thee. Whatever God allows, there is grace. And it's an ample supply of God's grace for every single need. I like to picture it as an ocean. I still remember the very first time I saw the ocean with my own eyes. I couldn't believe it. I grew up in New Mexico. There's no water in New Mexico. And we drove all the way into Mexico and we drove all the way to the ocean and I remember coming to that ocean and I remember looking out over the ocean I couldn't believe it. As far as I could see, there was water. There was water, water everywhere. As far as I could see, it was broad. And I like to picture God's grace as that ocean. And I like to picture it this way. I take that cup of my need to that ocean of God's supply, and regardless of how many cups I take out of that ocean, the ocean never runs dry. And there's always grace for every need. I can take every need with my cup to the Lord and to that supply, and the Lord has ample grace for every need. God's grace is like that. I can fill my cup, and it never runs the ocean dry. Now, God illustrates this for us in the book of Romans, chapter 5, verse number 20. And the statement of that verse is where sin abounded. Grace did much more abound. What the Lord is picturing is that sin piles up on one hand. That, that's what it means to abound. This sin, it grows, it abounds, it, it piles. And where, where sin abounded, He said grace did much more abound. Now, we think about sin. And sin abounded. Think about the thief on the cross. The thief on the cross had rebelled. The thief on the cross stole. The thief on the cross Plundered, the thief on the cross deserved to die. He was paying for his sin. And there, because sin did abound in his life, he had to pay the debt of his sin. I think about Saul of Tarsus. Before he was saved, sin did abound in Saul's life. And Saul was responsible for the murder of many Christians. He was present whenever Stephen was stoned. I think about Rahab, the harlot in the Old Testament. She had lived a life of sin and immorality and friend we could apply this to your life and sin where it abounded maybe in your life that sin has grown and abounded and uh, made a big pile of a mess in your life and it's done that in my life. Where sin did abound on the other hand the pile of God's grace is even bigger than the pile of sin. is that amazing? And so for the thief who needed God's grace upon the cross, he turned to the Lord Jesus Christ, and that pile where sin abounded, grace did much more abound, and the grace of God was bigger than this man's sin. The pile of God's grace is bigger. That's the way it was in my life. Sin had abounded, and I was lost, and I was on the road to hell, and yet the Lord Jesus Christ, when I called out to him, his grace was bigger than my sin. And since salvation I've had some big trials. You have too. I'm so grateful this morning that grace was bigger than my trials. When my grandmother died, boy that broke my heart. She was the grandmother that prayed for a preacher. And I was asked to preach her funeral. And I didn't know how I could do it. And what I discovered is my problem was big, but God's grace was bigger than my problem. Where my need was big, the giants of doubt and fear and weakness and difficulties and needs, I've discovered that God's grace is bigger than the giants and that God's grace is always sufficient. See, that's the God of grace this morning. But there's something so very crucial, and we often miss this, and that's the giving of grace. Go back to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5. The statement here is be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time. And it's very clear God gives grace to the humble. And so the path of humility, the way to God's grace, is through humility. And humility is understanding who God is. He's perfect, He's holy, He's righteous, He's without sin, He's without error. And it's understanding who we are. We are sinful, we are finite, we are weak, we are blind. Understanding who God is, understanding who we are, and never getting the two mixed up. Humility is giving God His rightful position in our life. Humility is the opposite of pride. See, pride exalts self. Satan, in Isaiah chapter 14, uh, reads, For thou hast said in thine heart, speaking of Satan, of Lucifer, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of of congregation at the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. That was pride. And it was through pride that Eve fell and the Lord or Satan brought the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life and you can read about that in Genesis chapter 3 and out of pride Eve rebelled against the Lord, Adam rebelled against the Lord and it's pride that forfeits God's grace. In Proverbs chapter 6 and verses 16 and 17 the Bible teaches that God hates a proud look. It's an abomination to Him. In Proverbs 8, verse number 13, the Bible says God hates pride. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 5, notice this statement here, God resisteth the proud. And So God always deals with pride, and pride will block God's grace. But humility was illustrated through the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, Jesus is God, and Jesus left the glory of heaven. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. He was obedient to his Father. And because of the humility of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus was exalted. And he's been given a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow, every tongue would confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so the path of humility through humility God gives grace. But I want to talk here this morning about this principle of humility. See Peter throughout this book lays the foundation of humility that we might know God's grace. He speaks of humility through submission. Peter used the word submit so often. And submit to means to put oneself under. Submit means to resign, to yield, to surrender to the power, or the will, or the authority of another. Uh, for example, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 15, he talks about submitting to every ordinance of man. And he speaks about submitting, following leaders and the laws, as long as they do not contradict the laws of God. And then in 1st Peter chapter 2 verses 18 and 19 he speaks of submission at work and that means to put oneself under the authority of the boss. We have great examples of that in Daniel and in Joseph. Uh, they had this submissive heart and this submissive attitude. In 1st Peter chapter 3 verse number 1 he says likewise ye wives be in subjection to your own husbands. He speaks of submission Within the home. And again, the wife is not the lower vessel. She's not less than her husband. Uh, They're equals, Uh, and she was taken from the side of man. Uh, The husband is not the dictator. That's not what the Bible is speaking about. But God is a God of order. And God in this order has established that there cannot be two heads. There has to be uh, one head. And and the Bible teaches that because of man's rebellion that man must be submitted. And husbands are submitted unto Christ. And wives under husbands and children under their parents. That's a principle that God gives. He talks in chapter 3 beginning at verse number 8 about submission Within the church. And again, if you go to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 5, and we read, likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves to the elder. And when we speak, uh, the beginning part of chapter 5 talks about the pastors. And he said, uh, really, you're to let your pastor be your pastor. You're to learn from him. You're to grow from him. And and some will not allow me to be their pastor. And I can never guide somebody if I'm not able to teach the principles of God's word. Again, I, I point this out, is you never follow something contrary to the word of God. But the Bible teaches we are accountable to follow the principles of God's word. And you always come with a humble, teachable spirit. You can always learn something. You can always grow in something. And it's important to have that humble spirit. But as we speak about are el- younger, submit yourself to the elder. We're getting away from this principle in America today. It speaks of, of age. And honor those that are older than you. Uh, older generation, you were taught this, weren't you? You were taught this principle of submission. You were taught this principle of honoring the elder. You were taught the principle of honoring your grandparents, honoring your parents. It's a principle that's in the Word of God. And and, uh, that principle, if you want to gain, we're living in a day of rebellion. And in a day where everybody rises up, and I'm going to do what I want to do, and nobody's going to tell me what to do, and I can't learn from anybody, I can't grow from anybody. There's no teachable spirit. And uh, in our school systems today, we we have uh, young people back talking to the elders and to the teachers. And, and see, God is talking about if we're going to gain humility, it's going to come through this principle of submission, having a submissive heart and a submissive spirit. Read the testimony of a young man. You guys can identify with this. He went off to college, and he thought that he knew everything. He thought that his dad was an old fogey, and he thought that his dad was so backward and knew nothing. And after he went through the school of hard knocks, he came back home, and he said, Dad, you were pretty wise. I just didn't realize it. 1 Peter chapter 5 says, Be subject one to another. Be clothed with humility. Philippians chapter 2 talks about that. Christ first, others second, and self last. If you look in verse number 6 of chapter 5, and he speaks of humility or submission to God. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God. This is where submission starts. It starts with our surrender to God, to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to the Word of God, putting my life under God, under the Word of God, coming to the point that this Bible is the guide of my life, that I'm going to follow the Word of God, that the Bible is going to be the direction of my life. I'm not going to follow my thoughts or my feelings, but I'm going to follow God and God's Word. That's submission. And if we're to know God's grace, there's got to be humility through submission. And I believe in humility through confession. When you know, we mentioned um, uh, Peter, we think about Peter. And One time Peter was filled with pride. Peter says, Lord, I'll never deny you. I'll never deny you. I'll die before I deny you. Jesus knew the heart of Peter. and He said, Peter, this night before the cock crows twice, you're going to deny me thrice. And sure enough, that night Peter denied the Lord. And, and then we read the story of Peter. As he looked upon the Lord and he went out and wept bitterly. His heart was broken. It was a deep repentance. It was a confession of his failure. There was humility. See, Peter went from this place of pride Lord, I'll never deny you to realizing the wickedness of his own heart and submitting that heart unto the Lord. And John chapter 21, I believe, is the restoration of Peter and and the Lord was forgiven, or the, Peter was forgiven by the Lord. Peter, lovest thou me three times? He denied the Lord three times. And, and Peter said, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And three times, and Peter is restored. But what a wonderful blessing because of that humility of Peter's confession. Uh, Peter then becomes the preacher on the day of Pentecost. And God mightily would use the life of Peter as a result of his confession, of his submission. The Bible teaches, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Go back, if you would, to James chapter 4. And this becomes so very clear, James chapter 4. Look with me at verse number 6. And it reads, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted, mourn, weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up. My wife uh, told me just uh, this week uh, of a a man. He'd pastored many, many, many years, and we actually uh, knew some of his family, greatly used of God, and a tremendous family, many in his family in the ministry. But uh, later in his life, he fell into deep sin, and it cost him dearly, deeply. Um, But when God began to convict him, God began to uh, draw him to himself again. It's complete humility. It's a total confession, total brokenness. And he went to all that uh, he had offended and hurt and wronged. And uh, he gained their forgiveness and God restored him back to a place of usefulness. It's something that can come only from humility as God gives grace for them. So what happened to David? David miserably failed. And yet you read about the confession and the humility of David in Psalm 51. He says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to Thy lovingkindness, according to the multitude of Thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, cleanse me from my sin. He said, I acknowledge my transgression. My sin is ever before me against Thee, and Thee only have I sinned and done this evil. In thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. That was the heart of humility that David found God's grace. There's humility through confession. Go back to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 7. 1 Peter chapter 5, there's humility through prostration before the Lord, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. I've often said this, humility, as admitting that I have a need. For example, I can't save myself. It's all of God's grace. I can't do any work. I can't be baptized. My religion, this church, is not going to save me. I need a relationship. It's admitting I have a need. And humility is admitting I cannot meet my own need. I think of the man that was bitter at his siblings, and they had stolen his inheritance from him. They left him with nothing, that which was rightfully his. They twisted the law, and they gained it all away from him. And he says, God, I know that you want me to forgive them, but I don't want to forgive them. You ever been there? And I can't do it. But he said, God, you've asked me to do it, and I can't do it. But if you've asked me to do it, you've got to do it through me. And in humility, he came before the Lord, admitting, I can't do this, but God, you can do this through me. And God gave him the grace to do that very thing. Humility is coming unashamedly to Jesus as a beggar, and it's casting all of my care, all of my need upon him. And the fact is, this morning, if it concerns you, it concerns Him. If it's a burden in your heart, it's a burden to Him. And friend, you can come prostrately before the Lord, confessing your need of Him and casting all of that care upon Him. Remember blind Bartimaeus? He cried out. He had a need. He was blind. He couldn't heal himself. But he was unashamed coming to Jesus Christ. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. They tried to quiet blind Bartimaeus, but he cried out them more, until he had gained the attention of Jesus. And Jesus heard that cry and healed him. See, that's the principle of humility. I want to close very quickly with this thought, that power of humility, because humility opens the door First Peter 5, verse 5 again. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud, giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, unto the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you. Notice the statement in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Humility opens the door to God's grace. We've said this before. The way down is the way up. The way to be exalted is to humble yourself. The opposite, the way up, when you exalt yourself, the Lord humbles you. The way up is the way down. This makes no sense that by humbling myself, God would lift me up. Jesus Christ, when He humbled Himself, became obedient unto death, He was given the name above all names, that at His name every knee would bow. God gives grace. Notice in verse number 10, But the God of all grace, who called us to His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. I think about Moses in due time. Moses had been filled with pride. Moses took things into his own hand. He slew the Egyptian. As a result, he had to flee to the backside of the wilderness. He was there 40 years. And then when Moses was ready, when humility had been built in his life, the Lord spoke to him and said, Now, Moses, you're ready. I want you to go back and lead my children out of Egypt. I think about Joseph, if you read about his dream, I kind of picture Joseph was filled with pride a little bit. Here Joseph tells his brothers the dreams that he had and how God was going to exalt him. His brothers were jealous of that. And Then God allowed Joseph to be sold into slavery. Then God allowed Joseph to be falsely accused. And God allowed Joseph to face the prison house. But in due season, when God had Joseph to that place of humility, When Joseph was at that place that he could not, then God could. When Joseph was bound in prison and the dreams that he had couldn't possibly be fulfilled when there was that humility, then there was God's grace. And when Joseph was ready, God took him out of the prison and gave him the position that he might be used of God. Oh, how we need God's grace. So understand something. God will never exalt anyone until you're ready to receive it. And you're not ready to receive it until there's a place of humility. You'll never get saved until there's the need, until there's the admission, until there's the humility. You'll never find God's strength until there's humility. As long as you are in pride, as long as you can do it yourself, as long as you're unteachable, the Lord has to continue with the trials, the difficulties, to bring you to the place of humility that He might exalt you in due season. See, humility is God's path to grace. I'm so thankful this morning for God's grace couldn't save myself. I was lost. My church and baptism couldn't save me. I was lost. But when I cried out to Jesus, I found his grace was sufficient for my sin. I found that his grace is bigger than all of the giants of my doubts and fears and unbelief and his grace is bigger than stronger than my weakness. But that grace cannot be known apart from humility. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. There's somebody here today that you've got an addiction or you've got a burden, you've got a problem. I think a lot of people in America today are addicted to social media, to cell phones. They can't can't get rid of it. But until we admit a need, we can't find victory. It's in humility that God gives his grace. I'd like every head bowed and every eye closed here this morning. The Lord knows you, knows your need.